Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. <laughs> hey, got it right. Hey, baby. Hey, welcome, y'all, to <laughs> Playing the Game podcast. I'm your host, Brock White, with my co-host. Hey, everybody. Cody Ransom here. What's going on? So, we got a special guest today, a really good friend of mine. Um, known this individual for, I think, about eight years now. Um, we really, I think when I first met him, he thought I was crazy, which is a normal thing. And then, but we've really grown close, been able to meet his whole family and um, have meet his whole family. He's been able to meet my whole family. So um, welcome to the show, Troy Smith. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, yeah, the first time we met was on an elk hunt. And that was, what year was that? Dang. Um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of the year. I know the unit, but I don't remember the year exactly. <laughs> it has to have been. Yeah, it was a yeah. while. Unit. Seven or eight. Yep. It was a good unit. And yep. we, we might as well tell the story about that bull. Because that was a cool, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first day you had found a good bull and we went in to kill it, right? Yep. Yep. We bedded him into a, in a canyon thinking we could sneak in there. And, um, yeah, through the night he had, he had moved out of that little canyon and moved over. And I don't know if you remember, but we were trying to get in there close and, yeah, we're re- um, being really st- sneaky, really quiet. Yeah, as quiet as yeah. I can be. Troy kept looking over at me like, "Shh, quiet." Yeah, I thought there was more of you behind me, but there's a few. But yeah, ended up bumping that one, and and that didn't work out too well. But luckily, we found right. a different one. That guy bombed out. He yeah. he definitely he was on our side of the canyon, and then he I'm pretty sure he winded us. Don't you think? You know, it sure seemed like it. I mean, which was weird. I couldn't believe he, uh, yeah, during the evening he moved probably he 300 moved. across the canyon. And, yeah, just kind of messed he, up. He moved a lot because he was yeah. cr- across the canyon. And he was, like, all the way up on our side at the very top where we were. Yep. And then. Things are messed up, man. Well, Not very nice. Dude, they, he, he must have been chased a lot, too, you know. Cause yeah, he, um, he didn't yeah. like. He didn't get. He didn't feel too comfortable when he got a, a whiff of us. He's like, "Yeah, see ya." They'll stop and, and not sure what bumped him, but yeah, no, he was uh, he was he was out of town for sure. Yeah, 
And then, so we had to go back to the drawing board. We saw that, we saw a really old bull that evening, but he was like forever away. What, do you remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, I remember we were looking at that one, and uh, yeah, he was a, yeah, it was going to take all day for sure. Yeah. To, yeah. A couple days out, but. Yeah, he was in a really nasty spot. And then, so we decided to go to another nasty spot, which there was a female in camp that did not want to shoot this bull, right? Yep. She, like, didn't know whether to shoot it or not, and she was going after another bull that she didn't know if it was as good, right? Like, it was just wider. Yeah, if I remember right, yeah. We, so we had seen that bull, and, and and because we went after the one the, the previous day, she was going to have options at, uh, at the one that you have taken, but she didn't think it was as good as, and then I, I just, you know, I couldn't believe that she was, uh, ah, I think I'll pass on that one. She, and, she yeah. got 200, they said she was like 200 yards from him, right? Oh, yeah, which is crazy because that. I don't know how you got 200 yards from him. Like, this is the nastiest crap you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize how bad it is until you, you know, have to go actually in there to where they're living, and it's it's, it's amazing. Hey, what des- they can look. yeah, describe Manzanita. Yeah, you know, Manzanita is that, uh, is that, it is so thick, so nasty, and you don't realize when you're glassing into it, but then once you try to get into it, um, oh, what is it? Eight, ten feet tall. Yeah. Um, you disappear. It, yeah. It's so thick that, um, it's almost impenetrable. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's some crazy stuff, but yeah, somehow those bulls, they get in there and they, oh, they survive. Yeah. They like, they love that stuff. Yeah. Do they eat the leaves off the manzanita? You know, you know, I think they do, um, certain time of the year when, especially, I don't think that's their primary, that's what the, that's not their go-to feed, but you know, on a tough year when they don't have a whole lot, whole lot of else to forage on, they'll they'll get in there and and and, and you know eat the the new shoots and stuff in there for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So we the next morning is the very next morning we went and um, we we bedded that bull right. We actually saw his head lay down. Remember that? He yeah. Lay, if I- he, he laid his head down and fell asleep. Yeah, feel like every once in a while we see the tips of his antlers uh, in about in the manzanita. So yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, and then we went back to camp, and Greg's like got mad at us, right? And then we rushed back, and then we had a game plan. Where we were gonna come on top of him, right? Yep. Yeah. So we had to go probably what four or five miles around. Yeah. And, um, and we sent my dad and my brother to glass from the bottom up while yep. we went around up top. Yep. And, you know, we just kind of walked in and, and, uh, we were about 90% sure, but man, everything's different when you're on the same side as they are, you know, I'm trying to find them. I will never but. forget that moment where I, I, I could hear him. Like yeah, we, coming up, and he's like, "I'm like, dude, he's right there." Walking, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. And then 
he didn't see us. And then I tried to get my brother on him, but he had his ears closed. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I'll shoot him. <laughs> Don't have to ask I me twice. for a second. Yeah, and I missed the first shot. I totally yanked it. 330 yards. Yeah. And then I plastered him the second time. And then. Yeah. You remember once you shot, he went down and it was so thick that it, it took us, what, an hour? So you, you, my brother, Porter, you dove off, and it was gnarly. I remember you telling me, like, it was, like, bluffed up, and then you have to go another spot. You ended up, like, sliding down some bluffs Yeah. to get to that thing, and you couldn't find him. Yeah, well, you'd think, uh, you know, what, thousand-pound animal laying, you'd think you could walk right up on it. Yeah. I mean, He's only 350 yards away, and it took yeah. an hour to get 350 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So steep that we would slide and then we would grab handfuls of, uh, you know, manzanita or whatever you get your hands on to. Yeah. It was, Slow it down. was, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then when I went, so I went back down, you guys were just going to hike all the way down. So I went around, met up with my dad and glassed up another bull. On the side yep. of the hill, and so my brother Porter, he came down, and he he whacked that thing at 500 yards. So we got a twofer, like same day. Nice. And yeah, you know, that was that, that was crazy. wasn't all that bad for a first time bull for him. No, it wasn't. Cause it no, he had like 20 inch fronts, 22 inch fronts, really good front end, just didn't have the back end. A younger bull. Yeah, and that just how thick that stuff was. We sat and glassed that bull that you killed for probably oh, all morning until he bedded. Yeah. And never that your, that your brother shot. Yeah. And it's a bummer because there was a, there was a bull, another bull in that group that was like a 360 bull that my bull made just dwarfed it. Made it yeah. look like a baby. And, yeah. And it it's crazy the body size once they come mature and the, I mean, I remember we were glassing and the, the big bull didn't come over the hill right away. Is that like that 350, 360 bull? And then there was a, another small bull raghorn with it. And we're, I was thinking the big bull was that 350 bull. And then the big boy comes over the hill and you're like, Oh, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty easy to tell yeah no yeah that was uh that was you know it's funny that that was one of those uh it's, there's a pile of them but that was one of those really really memorable hunts really good time that's awesome such a good feeling yeah <laughs> you yeah. know what i figured like you're a second shot all-star oh yeah i i'm all about second shot oh yeah I, i'm just wondering how they don't run away I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know why. Like my archery shot last year was um, two shots. First one deflected into outer space, <laughs> and then second one, de- you know, deflected. Second one was on the way to outer space and double deflected. And yeah, hit a branch above it, knocked it down. So then, so that big bull, we. Uh, I was freaked out all night. I remember, like, praying that I actually killed it. Because, like, we, 
you said it. I never saw him go down. You saw him go down. Like I, yeah. remember, I remember hearing, like it sounded like I when I hit him the last time. He like turned away, and I put the crosshairs right on his butt, and just wanted to get as much lead in him as I could, and um, sounded like a tree branch broke. Do you remember that? Yeah, you know, it was really weird. It was so thick and so steep that even though, you know, I'm even looking through binoculars and I see him physically fall. So when I'm over there looking and I can't find him, I start second guessing, well, maybe it was so steep that he just disappeared, you know? Yeah. So they start second guessing and, you know, oh, yeah, it turns into a mess. But, so, but then it was like, oh, you have to go back to it. No reality. No, you know what? I mean, I saw... You know, I physically saw him fall because he started second guessing when you're wandering around in circles. You can't find him. Yeah, I knew I hit him the second time and third time. The third time was like so obvious. It sounded like you hit a tree and really it was his bones breaking, right? Yeah. um, So then we, I mean, like it was a four, it seemed like it was a three, four hour hike in. It yeah, was a, it was a hike to get in there. And I do remember we were uh, we were there was no way we were going to make it out by dark, and we're looking down towards the where your father in law I think parked the truck, and it looked like a dot. And I'm like, oh my god! And that man left to walk through, and I'm like, oh man, there's no way we're getting out of here till yeah, well after yeah. So then we um, next day we uh, we go in we. Uh, we glassed uh, where we saw him bed. I remember there's like two big trees that fell down, and it was like an X. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he yep. like bedded right there. And so we're like, okay, that's what we need to find. And so when we were hiking up, I remember I found that X, and then I started feeling good. And it wasn't like three minutes after that you found him. Yeah, no, that was that was a good feeling, huh? Yeah, you know, I wish I knew how to take pictures back then because we didn't give that bull justice when we took pictures, you know? Oh, I know. Yeah, no, he was, uh, that was, especially for that, uh, that late hunt, that was a, that was an exceptional, exceptional, that late hunt. Yeah, Greg, I remember Greg, he wanted to score him, him, he wanted to score him, he didn't want anybody else to score him. And I remember just just on pins and needles, not that it mattered, you know, but just because you just want to know. Yeah. And I remember he called me. He's like, dude, that thing's 387. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. But I remember he's just a huge mainframe 6x6. Six six, and my brother-in-law, he has like a – he shot a 7x6 six in – they say he goes 390. You know what I mean? It, yeah. I, I would like to get the same person tape both bulls. You know, that's the only way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you have two different people scoring, they're going to score totally different. Because, like, if you look at my bull, it looks it's just huge. You know, his bull looks big, but everything about my bull looks big. The seconds yeah. were 24 inches, you know? Oh, yeah. It was crazy. A lot of mass, too. That's what Greg said. He's like, the mass is what got him. So. Yeah, which, 
which knowing now, um, when you think about it, the lady passed up a bull that scored 387. Um, that's insane. Well, so. could you not, like, on a late hunt, like, the, the you know, everybody says, like, hey, if you can shoot a 330 bull or better on a late hunt, yeah, that's pretty dang good, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, on a late hunt, if you can shoot one that's, you know, 330 and not completely broke, you've done something pretty good. Because traditionally, by that time of year, um, you know, they're pretty broke up through the rut and whatever else. They're, you know, it's hard to find one that's even, you know, remotely that good. You know, but, and, then, uh, and then Taryn's bull that she shot, like, as a crow flies, was like a mile away from where I'd kill my bull. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. So that was a crit that there's 15 bulls in that group. That was weird. Yeah. 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 Definitely bachelored up that year. Yep. Um, so you're a taxidermist. You know, there was a time in my life that I wanted to be a taxidermist. And then I realized like how, meticulous you have to be and then I realized that job wasn't for me <laughs> and like you have to be artistic and you have to be an artist right yeah the what what kind of skill set do you think you need to be? um I think I think anybody that's got any kind of artistic eye to them or um Artistic eye, or maybe like uh, just loves trying to recreate, or has has the has the vision to like recreate how you would see something in wildlife. Could probably do okay. So it's really funny. Everybody asks me the same thing. I always, um, you know, one of the most important thing is reference photos. You can oh. never look. You can never look. Um, you can never look at too many reference photos. I mean, it's. I won't walk by a bugle magazine or a, without looking through it and not for the articles, just to look through it and go, Oh, just to try and recreate a look that maybe I hadn't seen before or, um, a natural uh, look, not, uh, not a, yeah. somebody else taxidermy work, but an actual animal so, wild. Exactly. So live photo. So yeah, I'm constantly looking through, uh, you know, uh, looking through magazines at, at live, you know, uh, photos and all that kind of stuff just to, you know, make sure, uh, retrain your eye, I guess was the word for it. You kind of like, you know, um, you know, cause you'd be surprised. I mean, uh, you may think you, you may think you know it all and then you're going to, you know, you're going to go, Oh my God, I love that. I'd love to recreate that look or whatever. So, or there's just little tiny things that I've seen you add just in the years I've known you that just makes it a little piece of wood here, some, you know, grass or something that gives it a different feel, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I think it's like, buddy, if you look at, um, I used to look at some of my previous work, you know, 10, 20 years ago and go, man, gosh dang it, and just kind of like, but then I, I finally came to the realization, um, if you're not getting better, you're in the wrong profession. You know, if you're not constantly improving what you're doing, whether it's taxidermy or, you know, I don't care what you're doing. If you're not, if you're not bettering yourself 
um, from year to year, whether it's recreating, you know, your habitat's better or, you know, you're getting a little bit better on, the, you know, if you don't improve, um, then you're probably in the wrong business. That's why I, I mean, honestly, I never, I've been doing taxidermy, what is it, 32 years now, I think. And uh, yeah, you never quit learning. So or, I think what you just described right there is called being a professional. Because like, yeah. when you're a professional, a professional athlete, a professional businessman, that's exactly what you have to do is exactly what you described. Like, you can't get complacent. You have to always be on your toes, nimble, working as hard as you can, fixing the problems in your game, fixing problems in your organization, you know, and then for you, you're learning new things, always up in your skill set to um, go to the next level, right? So I think if any successful business owner wants to have a business for as long as you've had, you have to do exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah, especially, and I'm not saying, um, well, yeah, I would say especially, you know, um, a business like taxidermy. I mean, and there's some other business that fall in there too, but taxidermy, somebody's in entrusting you to recreate a once in a lifetime memory. Yes. Uh, you don't get, you know, it's not like some things, uh, a bad haircut. You get one chance to recreate a memory. that's going to last this person a lifetime. So, yeah, you, know, you don't, and there, oh man, there's such things as bad mounts. What's that? There's a, there is a thing called bad mounts. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope no one gets one, but there is. And, um, you got cross-eyed deer or what? Dude, what, what's the, yeah, I, and like for my cousin, I know that ears mean a lot to him. Like the ear placement, that's a big deal for him where he wants the ears. And it's all about what position they're in and then where their ears are at. Yeah. So, yep. like, I know that means a lot to him. He also, like, something he told me is, like, you never see an animal smile, and he hates when people put, like, a little smirk on their face. Because <laughs> uh-huh. like, that's not natural. I don't know if that's yeah. Is that, do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. You know what, and there's definitely, um, yeah, there's little things that you learn through, what's, what's there again, you learn through studying reference photos, but, um, you know, little things like when the ear, when the deer's alert, um, the ears are forward, um, the eyes are a little more open versus, you, you know, you, you have it more in a relaxed, which means the ears are, you know, slightly back and you fall in the contour of the antler they're not going to be alert. So you've got to know, you know what I mean? That just comes with time, but you don't, you don't have a deer with alert eyes with his ears slightly back. You see, when you start to get, you know, you have a trained eye is wrong here, you know, yeah. wouldn't be, wouldn't have eyes that are like alert, you know, so yeah. little things, little things like that's what I noticed. There's so many, um, you know, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but a lot of, some people, um, you know, every deer comes out the same and, you know, they're not all the same. So if you're trying to achieve a, you know, uh, an alert look or a relaxed look, you know, everything has a different look to it. So, yeah. Um, 
So how do you start your business? Did you, um, did you work for somebody? Did you just, did you do it on the side? How'd you, you start know, so, up? Yeah. What I did, uh, as soon as I graduated from high school, um, so it was kind of a funny story. I graduated from high school in 1984 and my dad promised me that if I got good grades my senior year, that he would pay my first year of college or trade school, whatever I chose. And, um, I told him, I said, you know what? I've always been interested in and I want to take a, a taxidermy course. And, um, he did everything in his power to talk me out of it. Um, really? So, like, what was his uh, reasoning? Well, there's no business in it. Um, there's, oh, there's no money in it. I, uh, the I, hunting there's so I have, year. every taxidermist I know is a year out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so he did all he could, to, and I just kept going back to, Dad, you promised me that you'd pay for my first year of either college or trade school. This is what I want. So I. I will say that's one thing I'm very, very thankful that I stuck to my guns on. But it, and it was kind of a weird deal. Even back then, I mean, I was only, what, 17, 18 years old. I knew, um, I, I knew where my passion was. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I could make a living at it, but I knew that I, I knew I had a passion for doing it. Um, I was one of those weird kids, though, that while other, other kids are playing ball or doing that, we lived on a farm and I would, uh, I would trap like gophers and that kind of stuff. And I would physically skin them and I would take their <laughs> and I would pin them on a board, let them dry. So you started young learning how yeah, to I, tan and uh, do yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was kind of an oddball right off the bat. So I knew I, I just probably better what I do. So, no, yeah. I mean, that's just something you had a, you wanted to learn and, so you were trying to figure it out, you know, and uh, yeah. I wouldn't call that weird. It's just yeah. I something I've seen in the hunting world is how many people are artistic in the hunting world. Yeah. You think it's not something necessarily that goes together. I don't know why, but yeah. like my cousin's really artistic and he's one pretty big hunter and, uh, Taxidermists have to be artistic. Usually, every taxidermist I know, they try to hunt a little bit when they get are allowed to. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I I agree with that to a certain extent, but um, like I I can barely draw a stick figure. You know, my as far <laughs> as draw or oh my god, let me. I mean, I've never been a good drawer at all. But it was kind of. You have but to I've paint, always, right? Like, there's painting yeah. involved in your work. Yeah, and I can, I, like, yeah, I, I paint with what they call a hydromist uh, gun. Um, yeah. I mean, I can do that really good, but I mean, to sit down and draw something out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just never has been my thing. I mean, so artistic that way, but, you know, um, artistic to say, you know, I really want to recreate this bobcat attacking this quail. You know, I mean, that part I've always been, like, fascinated with and thankfully always been pretty decent at being able to achieve that. You know, and that's realistic, a bobcat attacking a quail. Like, a lot of people wouldn't think that, but that's a realistic thing, you know, 
for the that's how the real world works you know yeah animals are gruesome to each other yeah yeah um, well you know kind of got off on a little tangent but um so what i did is i went to this uh my dad i finally he gave in um allowed me to go to a trade school down in phoenix um it was called mountain valley uh mountain valley taxidermy and it was funny so i graduated from that school and it was it only stayed open for about a year or two after that and then they went under yeah i've never heard um, of a trade school for taxidermists yeah yeah now there's only a couple there's only a couple of them there's one in montana and but there's not very many um it's like OJT, on-job yeah. training. Yeah, most of them are, yeah. And then, so uh, so I went to, I graduated from taxidermy school. And I'll be honest, all the way along through taxidermy, uh, even with, even at, I'll never forget the first day in class in taxidermy, but I was by far the youngest. Most people were mid-40s probably, and it was just something they always had an interest in. Well, here comes this kid walking in that's, 18 years old and the teacher gets up and he said, um, I think there was like 18 people in our class. And he said, um, out of 18 people in 10 years, one of you will still be doing taxidermy. <laughs> and I was, it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God. And then I'm thinking, man, my dad was right. You know, I'm, I just wasted $3,500 of his money. But yeah. you know, honestly, um, as I was going through the class, I just kept telling myself the same thing that I will not be the one of 18. I'll guarantee. I just kept saying that. And it probably didn't sound right at the time. Cause I can say some of the guys were, you know, a lot of the guys were, had even done taxidermy before for other people. So they were way ahead of what I already knew. But, um, so from there, um, I got offered a job in, uh, in Medford, Oregon of all places. Mm. And so packed up, moved to Medford, Oregon, worked for a gentleman for about three years under him. And then, uh, um, Yo, yeah. When did you meet Dee Dee and all this? Okay. So my wife, I literally met, um, right before I moved to Oregon, mm. I, uh, I met her and then, um, uh, I told her, I said, Hey, what do you think about moving to Oregon? And, I thought of a lot of places, but Oregon wasn't one of them. And I, I swear on it, it'll be great. And we get there, and as luck would have it, we get there uh, about the time that Spotted Owl thing. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. Spotted Owl, and uh, they were closing all the lumber mills down. So we get there at that time. So the economy in Oregon, um, you know, we look like the Beverly Hillbillies. We come driving in with everything going. <laughs> In a truck and a trailer, and uh, you know, half of it's hanging off. And if I remember right, we got two flats on the way. And I know she was, I can't believe I signed on to this, but yeah, we get there and the economy is tanked all of a sudden because I was planning on doing tax for me and uh, another job to help help make ends meet. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody that was working in the in a lot in a in a sawmill was looking for anything they could do. I mean, you couldn't get a job at the grocery store bagging groceries then. Cause so many, it didn't, everyone so, wanted to work. Oh my God. Everyone was out of work. 
So yeah, we dinky little, um, I mean, I look back now and I kind of laugh, but we got this little dinky apartment and, uh, it was my, it was Didi, uh, my, my oldest son, Justin, he was like one or two. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, we somehow toughed it out in this little, you know, a little dinky apartment when the wind blew the, you know, you could put your hand against the window pane and feel the air coming through. And <laughs> but you know, it's funny if you look back at it now and, and those were some of the funnest times, you know what I mean? Make, yeah. Cause it, life it was simple, right? Yeah. It didn't feel fun when you're in it, but once you're out of it and you look back, you go, you know, I wouldn't have traded that for anything because one thing that made, um, for me anyway, um, failure was not an option. I mean, that was the only job I had, you know, so it's, you know, um, you got to do the best at it. You don't want to lose it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, you had a new kid at home. You got, you know, a girl at home that you got support. You think about it. We're, you know, all the way from Prescott, Arizona to Medford, Oregon. We're a long ways from home with no money to get back. And so it was like, no, this, this we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. You don't know how many, I told I, I told Dee Dee, hey, we, this will work. I promise you. You know, and she's like, really? I, I promise, honey. One one more night of bologna sandwiches, and this is gonna it's gonna get good from here. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I did that for three years for a gentleman um, up there. Um, then I moved back, and uh, I always I always missed Arizona. Um, when you're from Arizona, it's hard to go. It's hard to go to a place that is as wet as Oregon. You know, it can't. It can actually be depressing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a beautiful place. Well, Green. It's, it's raining all the time, right? You know, it's really funny about Oregon. At least when I was there, was um, even when it's not raining, there's like a mist. You know, yeah. so it wouldn't even be raining, and you'd have to have your windshield wipers on in your car, you know, if you were driving. So it's, it's just kind of a weird, different, there's so much moisture in the air and so much, uh, I mean, all the trees have this moss hanging off. All that, but, yeah, um, you don't find that in our forest. Yeah. So it was one of those, I couldn't wait to, well, I would say I couldn't wait. I, I knew at some point I was going to come back, um, to Arizona just cause I, you know, I love the sunshine and I love a lot of things about Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I came for about, I'm going to say eight years, I always did tax for me. It was always a sideline business. And about 10 years after being back is about how long it took me, maybe not quite that long, but close to, to go full-time in tax. I mean, I've been doing tax for me full-time probably now 12 to 15 years where this is the only, the only thing I do to make a living. Really? Well, other than guide for, for Greg, but I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, yeah. I just do that. You do that. I just fun, do right? that. Yeah, you know, get out and I, you know, I'm not losing money, I'm not making money, but I'm not losing money, and I just get out of the shop and I get to go. You know, honestly, I, I, I love what I do for, for a number of reasons, but one of them is, not, unlike a lot of businesses, like say, let's say managing a convenience store or something. Everybody that I interactions with, right off the bat, I have something in common with. Yeah. 
we either love hunting. We, um, we have a general love for the outdoors. We have, um, you know, all this stuff that we already have in common with somebody that walked in the door that I've never met before. Whereas in a lot of businesses, you get people from all kinds of walks of life, you know, um, Oh, I hate hunting or, oh, you know, I'm a tree hugger or, or I'm a green yeah. whatever. Um, at least right off the bat, we got something in common. We got something we can talk about. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, I mean, right off the bat, there's a bond there and you know, most of the, I, I love hearing the, I love hearing hunting stories. So I love when somebody comes in and so many times while I'm skinning out their deer, bobcat, whatever they got, um, rather than just dump it off on my floor, they're while I'm skinning it, they're usually standing over me telling me about how it went down and, oh my God, you should have seen this. And, um, or this was my daughter's first elk or deer or whatever. Yeah. I just love hearing, uh, love hearing the stories, love hearing. And I really like seeing and feeling the passion that people have of, uh, you know, uh, their first kill or, you know, this is the biggest deer I've ever gotten. Whether it's a trophy or not, it's a trophy to them. You know, they wouldn't have brought it to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I love a hunting story too. I know Cody does. Oh yeah. It's like, who doesn't love a good hunting story? Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Rolly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and is now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, 
and online at rollywhite.com. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you've been through it, you know, you can put yourself in that situation. You kind of. Yeah. We all, yeah. In, in a weird way, we all wish we're, like, when we're hearing it, we wish we're the ones telling it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So many of them start with, should have been there. It's like, yeah, it would have been a little, would have been nice, but, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, ever since I've met you, um, your business has just exploded. Are you taking credit for that? No. Oh, okay. Definitely yeah. not. But <laughs> I'm just from from an outside perspective looking in. It's like since I've known Troy, it's like it was already really busy. Now it's like unreal busy. It's yeah. I love going to your shop and just looking at the horns. I just go through, check out all the deer, all the elk. What big elk got dropped off? Yeah, really cool bucks got dropped off, you know. And there's always a couple really cool bucks. Yep. Yeah. No. Off a couple. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you don't, um, you know. You, you, I'm just to be honest. I'm very, very um, thankful of everything that you know. You know, to me, that God's provided me and my family because honestly, this my business is taking off way more than I ever, my expectations were my, I always said, I mean, from when I was 18 years old, if I can just, if I can just make a living doing this, yeah. you know, and then, you know, then I, you know, at one point I had, I do eight or 10 deer heads and I'd feel like, God, man, I'm almost there. I can almost make a living doing this. Yeah. I and, mean, uh, did you always have that one in 28 always in your head, just whispering in your ear? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I wonder what the odds of of an entrepreneur, like someone starting a new business, like what's the odds that that succeeds? It's got to be pretty low. You know, yeah, I think it is. And I'll tell you what's weird about, and I'm, I can only talk to taxidermy. I know a lot of business fall under the same, you know, guidelines as taxidermy. But taxidermy, I've been, well, I you know, the little town that I'm in, Chino Valley, Arizona, since I've been doing taxidermy here, I don't know what we've been talking 30, 28, 27 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there's probably been four pop up in Chino. Uh, I don't know. Uh, four, small hand. four pop up and leave, or are they still there? Pop up and just don't make it. Yeah. Um, so, so you said 12 years, you're strictly. So before that, before 12 years ago, um, what would you do? Like how much time did you dedicate to taxidermy? When did you actually open a th- authentic taxidermy? So I had authentic as a side business. I used to make, I built and managed a Texaco. So I would work at that Texaco. Um, like in Paulden right there. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so love I that built that place. Yeah. I built that place and, and managed it for, for, I don't know, six years or so, something like that. But so I would manage that, but I, I had it set to where I would take the, like the morning shift. So I'd be there at five o'clock in the morning and then I would be off by around one. And then from one till whenever I would be. Did you always have the shop? 
you know what? I always had a shop, but I had a shop at that point. I had a shop. Uh, I built about a three car garage, uh, where we lived. And, um, yeah. And, and, you know, at that point it was, I'll be honest, it's kind of like a sideline. It was kind of, you know, I mean, I was, I was plenty busy for a side job, but yeah. And then at some point, you know, I don't even, it's weird. I don't even remember the exact point, but at some point when I sat down with Dee and I was like, I got to make a decision here. It's killing me. I mean, I'm, I'm over up till 12 o'clock at night sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a very hard decision because I had a, a guaranteed income managing a Texaco and I had an unsure income doing tax terms. You, got, you never know. I mean, how many people get, you know, um, it's a, it's a step on of this faith. Type. It's a step of yeah. faith, you know, cause so honestly, I, I kind of, you know, um, yeah, we sat down and I said, I've got to, you know, I got to do something different here. Cause at some point, and I knew it in my, in my mind and my heart, I'm, I'm not doing either business any favors because I'm, I'm either not being at the Texco and I should be there or I'm not doing tax me when I should be because I took in this gentleman's deer that I, you know what I mean? So I knew I was, so I was like, Hey, you know, uh, you got it. You got to bet on yourself. You know, it's weird. That's, that's kind of it. So I just, I just jumped into, Hey, I'm going to be taxed on the full time. And I'll be honest with you. I, maybe it's because as you get older, you get a little more smart, hesitant. I don't know what the word is, but I look at it. I look at some of the decisions that I made, um, to pursue the art of taxidermy. And I go, wow, what were you thinking? You know, yeah, you, wife and your one-year-old son moved to Oregon and then I go and then you quit a guaranteed job with a guaranteed income to hope you could make a living at taxidermy you know honestly you look at it and I'm like maybe maybe I'm not as smart as I was thinking of <laughs> you know you know I've talked to so many people that um they're there's they had a guaranteed income and they chose to go off on their own and how much flack they got from their parents or, you know, they, they made the hard decision. It's always the same thing. Like if it's your dad saying you're doing the wrong thing or they are, there's always a group of people that say you're doing the wrong thing. Why are you yeah. doing this? But the thing is like entrepreneurs bet on themselves. They take that step of faith. And they believe in themselves. They believe that I'd rather see me bet on myself on my income based on my performance than, you know, a guaranteed income of this low income. Because if I'm betting on my performance, I feel like, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And, you know, with me, there's always something in there that I, especially with tax, I always thought when I had to make that decision, I was like, I would rather make the wrong decision and fail and know that I did what I wanted to do. My, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. There was times that I, I could hardly drag myself out of bed knowing I had to go sit behind the counter at Texaco and take money from people that I didn't want to talk to. Uh, most of them were on grid. Most of them were the Yeah. Everyone just about the, just known about the, the price of a, uh, you know, a 32 ounce Coke, you know, oh my, I, I swear there was so many times, 
so many times I was like, and then I started doing tax and I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm, I have something in common with this guy, with this gal, whatever. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a, you, you feel uh, like you're actually helping the community out, right? Like that's how I feel. Like you have to have, like, I always thought like to have longevity in your job, you've had to have like a feeling like you're contributing positively to the community. Like you're yep. do, doing something good for other people. Yeah. And, um, you know, like my feeling is like with my dealership, it was, I'm giving them a better deal than they would get anywhere else. And we're honest and we get better service than any other dealer out there. So that's my contribution, you know, like I feel like Cody, same thing. You're given a, a better deal and the, you know, training, right. Than other people. An honest deal. Hope so. Hope so. It's uh, hopefully it's better service. It's better product and yeah, fair price. And then <laughs> for Troy, like I've seen taxidermists take five years. Uh, we we're both we remember we both you you were the one that fixed the guy's mistake. Had my brother's deer for six years. Had to tell him just to ship six it. Six years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Forget and about it after six years. We had to get a lawyer involved. Lord. Yeah. We had to have you a know, lawyer write a letter to get the animal back. And I was worried yeah. it sold the horns or something, you know? You know, and you'd be, I'll tell you one thing that, that you'd be really surprised with. Everybody, and I, you know, I, it's just crazy to me, but everybody has, everybody, everybody that hunts, has a taxidermy nightmare story. Everybody. Everybody. It's hard. Yeah. Honestly, it is insane. Everybody you talk to has a bad experience at least some point in their life with a taxidermist. And I'm like, oh, man. So you'd be, I mean, honestly, some people walk in and right off the bat, they've almost got a chip on their shoulder. I mean, all right. So you, you told me a year. That, that, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably beat a year. Oh, yeah, I told you a year. But you know, you can feel. They've been burnt before at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, like, so my grandpa, he had a pretty pretty gnarly one. There's a taxidermist that had all his bear rugs, like, four or five of his bear rugs, and he they're gone forever. He just yeah. them. He, he, he sold them. He was a druggie and mm. sold all his bear rugs. And um, so now we don't have nothing. No, he doesn't have any remembrance of any of the bears that his big bears that he shot. Yeah. And he had a really big lion, like really big lion that he shot that is gone. Yeah. And uh, all his bear rugs, you know, he killed a bunch of bears and he doesn't have nothing. <coughs> so. No, that's brutal. Ain't no good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think if my grandpa saw him again, he'd probably shoot him. <laughs> In in the afterlife, he might be going after him. Yeah. So. Well, you know, one of the bad things about tax money, and I don't, I don't know that situation, but one of the bad things about tax money is it doesn't take a ton of money to start up. Um, if you have a general knowledge uh, of, of animal anatomy. Yeah. And so many people, I'll be honest, so many people, because I, back in the day, I used to, you know, I, I used to let, let kids come in and, Hey, I just, you know, I just want to, 
learn the trade and I'll work for next to nothing. And I was always, oh yeah, I can have you help sweep the floor or sand the forms or oh, there's always something. Yeah. Um, and everybody has this uh, glorified, you know, vision of doing taxidermy. Well, they, 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 they fail to realize that a lot of taxidermy behind the scenes stuff isn't very, you know, glamorous. You know, the skinning, the salting, the fleshing, the, yeah. the all the whole, you know, I mean, yeah. They see the, the finished the pro- they see the finished product and that's yeah. what they think it is, right? Yeah, yeah. They think, oh yeah, that's the, the or they walk in when you're just finishing something and like, oh my god, I could do this, you know. And then you go, oh wait, there was about ten steps you missed, you know, to get to this point yeah. that aren't. Fun. But I would say they're not fun, but they're not glamorous, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of people get started in it, and then they realize. Wow, I you know, um, I didn't realize I I, I, I I just wanted the fun part, the fun stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I think that's like that's what makes a successful business owner and not a successful business owner, right? Like the successful one knows they got a system down, they understand the steps, they're fine with working hard. Right, they have to work hard, and yeah. then the these kids or whatever they, I don't know how many people wanted to sell cars or, and I'm like, I tell them what they need to do to sell a car or get in it, get in the game, and they're like, oh, you only make that much money. I thought yeah. you'd make like ten thousand dollars a car, so I guess I'm not gonna sell cars. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They, you don't make 10000 a car. Um, yeah. And they just thought, you just buy this car, and then it's so easy to sell it. And it's like, no, it's re- every, you know, it's just like what you said. There's this grinding effort behind the scenes. And then, you know, you got to put all that work into it just to sell the car. So, yeah. Um, and it bounces so many people out. And, but I think you're right. Taxidermist, your the startup cost is so low that you're going to get some people that take some deer in some elk in that have no business taking them in. Right. Yeah. Or what they'll do is they'll, um, they'll make a promise that, that they can't keep. I mean, um, yeah, Hey, I'll, I'll knock this thing out in four months and not that they can't keep that, but in order to do that, you're going to be putting some, you're going to put jiffy tan on it, or you're going to be to, to achieve speed. And, you know, uh, everything I do is commercially tan. There's no, there's no, um, I, no think that's a, I think that's an important thing. The commercial tan, like you're in there, they're not tanning it out in the backyard. Yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest, back in the day, I used, I tried to do the tanning, you know, because I was, and I didn't try and do it to save money. I did it because I was interested in it. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much that people don't realize, like, the, like say you're, you're tanning, uh, you know, four, four elk hides, elk capes. Um, you know, the, you have to maintain the 4.3 pH at all times. You know, that's not easy to do. Yeah. Depending on water, depending on the, temperature outside depending on uh how much salt you put in i mean there's so many variables you almost have to be a chemist 
And so it didn't take me long to figure out, Hey, you know what? I'm a lot of things, but you know, science was never my strong point. So I think I'll leave the, well, I'll leave. That's a smart, that. that's a smart thing. You want to do the taxidermy stuff, which is, you know, the art, you know, the forms, all that. Let's sub out this stuff. The really complicated thing for the guy that specializes in that. Like we have the same process too. There's a lot of stuff we don't do. Yeah. In business yep. and it, it actually makes so you can do more work. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too is, I, you know, especially when you've been doing as long as I've been doing it is you, you're not going to make it if you're starting to get stuff coming back to you 10 years down the road that is cracking or falling apart or now the moths are eating it or, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. All so the stuff I heard back and, how many horror stories have you heard? Like when it gets humid, the deer starts to stink. <laughs> have you heard yeah. that before? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, uh, I had a guy brought me back a, uh, well, he didn't bring it back to me. He brought it back to me because he couldn't figure out his wife would let it in the house anymore. A guy <laughs> just sheep for this guy. He's like, he called me and said, Hey, should the sheep still stink? And I'm like, well, it'll always smell like a sheep. You know what I mean? If you stick your face right on it, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. He goes, he goes, I mean stink. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No. So he brings it in. I swear I wouldn't let it in the front room of my shop. I couldn't believe it up in the house. So. It smelled like what? a skunk or death or what? what? The guy never popped the horns off. You have to pop the horns oh, off. Oh, he never popped the horns. Oh my gosh. He never popped the horns. So, and I'm not exaggerating. So I take my, I take my tool and I start digging it. I'm like, well, the problem is that I, if I take a horn, I can kind of like move it. And I'm like, well, something's not right. Well, as you're moving, you can hear this like slosh in there. Oh yeah. That's what I was worried so, about. Yeah. So I pulled the hair back. I swear. I pulled the hair back down from where the, where the horn joins the horn. I pulled the hair down a little bit from where the horn joins. I'm not exaggerating. Like two of these little black beetles come crawling. Oh, up yuck. Yeah. And that was and on I'm the like, guy's wall, dude. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, having to. And that was a bighorn sheep? Yeah. A once-in-a-lifetime sheep. And oh. This guy didn't do it right. That was, uh, that was one of those, uh, that was one of those Corsican sheep. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't like one of the last. Okay. But, but see, that, even like with this guy, see, that, that I just, that's kind of a good lesson because this guy went on, on one of those little, um, those little hunts where you go hunt on the ranch and all that stuff. Well, he found, he knew a kid, knew a guy that did tax for me in his garage, was going to do it for nothing. And that's what he got. I mean, you know what I mean? He, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. He got his hundred dollars worth amount, I guess. I mean, but, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy, but yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I, I can't believe yeah, I, I, that's what I was actually I was going to talk about was for the guy, everyone listening, like, if you don't use Troy, you should at least, um, look at the taxidermist, the, his work, right? Like what has he done <clears throat> and make sure you know what you're getting in bed with. Cause like this could be, I've seen guys ring like a I, I know a friend that brought a lion to a guy and he butchered the lion he ended up not being able to use the cape or nothing 
and had to go kill another lion. Yeah. So had to. It's funny too when you. Bring, um. It, it, there's a lot of of really good action in this. I mean, not only in the state, worldwide. There's some guys that are just phenomenal. I, some guy, I look at their work and I'm like, my gosh. I mean, this guy is you know really good. So there's a lot of really good, really good taxidermy. Um, and the way I always look at it is taxidermy is an interpret. Is, you're paying for my interpretation of what that deer, elk, bear, whatever looks like. And I'll be honest with you, you may not, you may not like my interpretation. You know what I mean? You yeah. may, yeah. you may like an, another taxidermist interpretation. It doesn't mean that um, I'm going to take offense to it, or it doesn't mean that I don't do quality work. It means that my interpretation isn't what you think um, you want your animal to look like, and that's cool too. I mean, everybody has their own little, uh, their own little niche or their own little, you know, like I say, interpretation of what that animal should or should not look like. Um, so, yeah, for sure, that's one of the keys. Is just you know. Um, go on their website or go um, even better, go in there and, and look at their work. Cause you know what, in this day and age, you can make a lot of stuff look better with a with Photoshopping than it, than it actually does the best thing. Go in there, take a look, make sure it's something you, that that's what you, you want your trophy to look like. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's, I think a perfect way to describe it. And there's a lot of good guys out there. And you're just trying to match your style to the right interpretation of the animal. Yeah. So, Cause like, I know there's some people that, yeah, they're, they just don't, they don't mesh very well. It doesn't mean it's not quality work. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny is that, cause I have, I have a lot of friends in the industry that, um, that I, that I have a lot of respect for that I think they do but it's really funny. I'll go, man, I really like so-and-so's, uh, coos deer, let's say, yeah. but man, man, he butchers the mule deer or my God, he's <laughs> he, he, he sure is shoddy on the, on a bobcat. You know what I mean? So it's just, everyone it has their mean, specialty. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or, or at least my interpretation of what, let's say a bobcat should look like. He didn't, he, he doesn't nail it very good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, and you can, you know, and you can always, you know, one of the ways to really tell too is you look at like nose colors, you know, I'm a freak about, um, if the nose color is not right. Cause somebody will that's paint a, a box, yeah. but it's black, really dark blood red. And I just, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Troy, what's your favorite to do? What's your specialty in your opinion? Yeah, I don't know about specialty. Do you, have, do you have a favorite? Uh, I would say my absolute favorite. It doesn't even have to be. Um, my favorite thing to do is any animal that somebody says, do what you would do if it was yours. Um, whether it's an elk or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm currently, I just, I mean, literally just got done doing a life-size, box, a life-size mountain lion. And there's a dead um, juvenile javelina hanging on a branch. Oh, nice! Awesome. Yeah, and and um, awesome. 
that guy, that guy's, uh, uh, he's supposed to come pick it up on Friday. And I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see his expression. I can't wait to see what, uh, what he says. Um, because the thing, I, I'll quickly, I, I, did, I didn't think I was going to be rattling around this much, but quickly, the story behind this is really neat. So the gentleman killed a mountain lion, and it was a really special thing because he called it in with a varmint call, which doesn't Did he uh, know he was calling in a mountain lion, or is it like a... Cheap? You know what? Honestly, I didn't get that far. All I know is he varmint called it in, and oh my God, it's so exciting. It wasn't a big one. It was a probably a 90-pound female. Yeah, he always knew he wanted to life size it, so he sent it off. Well, in the meantime, while his lions at the tannery, his daughter, really cute little girl, she's like ten, has a junior javelina hunt, and as luck would have it, they're trying to pick out a nice big pig for her first, and all this kind of stuff. Well, she's only ten, and she's looking through a scope, and she can't pick out one from the other, and. He- <laughs> He's telling her, hey, that one right there, man, the big one eating on the cactus. And she's like, oh, I see it, okay. And she squeezed off, and they walked up there, and this pig, I don't know, it may weigh five pounds. I mean, she is devastated that she has shot a baby pig. Uh, and Hey, good so, shot. Great shot. Yeah. Not very big. And so not aim yet. she's very upset that she shot this big pig and the dad's trying to make it all right. He's, you know, I mean, this is her first son. He doesn't want to ruin her. No, babe, this will be awesome. So, and one of the things I'll be honest, right off the bat, kudos to him for tagging the pig and making her, hey, this is, this is what we got. Um, a lot I mean, of people, out, yeah, a lot of people throw that aside that and go. Yeah. This is, yeah. So kudos to him for that. I mean, I got a lot of respect for him for that. So he brings the pig and I can tell by the look on his face and her face that, cause I'll be honest, as soon as I brought it in, I'm, I'm like, are you kidding me? What, what am I going to do? With? So I, I can see by their demeanor, uh, you know, I could re- I swear it was so funny. I could read his face. He's going, get me out of this. You know, he's giving so you I, the eyeball. I go into this, Oh my God! You know how cool this is going to be. You know, um, we'll we'll put this with your line. You, man, you did awesome. You know, it'd be way better to have a small juvenile pig. I mean, how dumb it would look at a big pig. I mean, this is like so. All of a sudden, she starts getting into this. Like, yeah, yeah. So now, of course, she's going to see her juvenile pig hanging on this branch. Oh, that's cool. With, so it's going to be you know both of them being incorporated. So. That kind of stuff to me is like, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's what it's what makes it or breaks it. I mean, doing the deer heads fun and all that kind of stuff, but doing something where you go, I mean, honestly, I'm like, they're gonna shit when they see this. That's that's, that's when you awesome. go. That's when you go. This is why I do this, right? I mean, that yeah. you know, that's that's, you look, that's funny. I had a uh, conversation yesterday with a guy. He's, building a, a knife he's, he's making a knife for me right and he called about like what do you want this and that and i was like dude you're that like you're the expert you know what i mean like I'm, I'm you do it the way you would do it for you um you know what i like but you know at the end of the day like i'd rather be surprised by somebody that's that's their art you know that's their passion and that that kind of it's funny you said that yeah. the stories kind of all go together 
Yeah. Look, yeah. And you know, I honestly, I think, I think it comes with being a male. I mean, I, I guarantee my wife and I know Brock's wife would say the same thing as a, as a male and all that, you know, we require a certain amount. I think it's one of the things I like about doing taxidermy is the gratification of it. Cause mm-hmm. when he goes stroke, you know, pretty regularly. And so when somebody comes in and is like, God, I love it. That, that's even better than I thought. You know, all of a sudden, man, I'm, I'm ready to roll again. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll now, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Troy has done a lot of animals for me. I know that. Well, uh, not trying to brag or nothing. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, Stroking his own ego right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's done just as many for even his Even like, uh, <laughs> I've even mounted the small ones. I have a hard time not mounting them because I feel like everyone should be mounted. I don't know what it goes into. You know, like even the small ones, why not? Right? Yeah. You put like uh, plaques under it called like double deflection. Double D. <laughs> double deflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah. start doing that for sure. Yeah, name them all. Second shot all-star. Second shot. <laughs> That's that's a good idea. I made myself laugh at that one. Sorry. That's a good one. Yeah. Double D. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you got to tell the story. Oh, wait, Troy. <laughs> I love Troy because he has hooked me up with two buffalo. <laughs> Every oh, time yeah. it's your dad, you can't get a hold of your dad to go kill this buffalo, so you call me, <laughs> and then I go kill it. Well, you know what's funny about that deal because my dad, um, bless his heart, he can't sure get off the pot. So I said, Dad, you want this buffalo? And I know that if I don't find somebody, either you or my dad, that, that is going to go, you know, I mean, he'll get somebody else. So, and I, it was such a pretty buffalo. So, yeah, I gave my dad, I called my dad, and I said, Dad, what do you think about the buffalo? Well, let me, let me get back with you. And I'm like, never mind. You know, my <laughs> next call. Right. And I know a guy that wants it, Dad. If you're not... If you're not like excited about it, I know a guy that will be. So, yeah, yeah. He just calls me, and then I'm like, "Okay, when we got to leave right now?" Okay, see ya. Yeah, that's what happened with the one buffalo. You called me, and I had to leave that day. Oh, I know. No, I, I'll be honest with you. But I told you about that buffalo. I had no intention of you going up there because I thought there is no way somebody as busy is going to be able to drop what he's doing. And go shoot a buffalo. Next thing I know, I mean, he's in route. So yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to. There wasn't too too much convincing. No, no. He just offered Funny. that one to you just to be nice, and he took it. So he had to tell somebody else no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, "Crap, he's really going, Dad. He can't shoot this buffalo." Yeah, tell your guy. Hang on. I told the guy that uh, I told I told the guy he ain't going. I'll call you right back. <laughs> and then all. <laughs> Like, oh my god! Yeah. No, that was no. And I'll be honest with you. I, in this business, you know, you meet you meet a lot of good people. I've made a ton of good friends. I mean, I think I'm thankful that I got to do the guiding because that's how I met Brock. But you know, you you get to um, you get to meet people that are down to earth. You get to meet people that are um, uh, have the right values and that kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, I've you know, yeah. I've met a ton. And, and, you know, as you know, Brock, I mean, I try to send anybody that will listen to me to you 
to get their trail. I have never, I have never got anything but a thank you for sending me down to them. Oh, you know what I mean? Good. That's always yeah. good. So honestly, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I send everybody that shoots anything. I just actually, I told Cody like, "Hey, I'll bring when you kill something, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it to Troy for you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. dropping my father-in-law's stuff. I'm going to come by see you next week, and I'm going to drop my father-in-law's stuff off too. His two lions. Oh, okay. So, yeah. 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 There's there's going to be a fun one. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'll just you can do whatever you want. There you go. He just listened. Yeah. It's a lion. Do whatever you do. He two lions like fighting. Yeah. yeah. He should have one. Eating the other. <laughs> um, have you ever had anybody want to, uh, you know, uh, don't ask this question. I see your eyes rolling right now. They're, <laughs> they want to uh, <laughs> mount their dog oh, or cat. So, as Brock knows, because he's been to my shop, um, this is almost funny. My shop is about. 30 yards, 40 yards from an animal clinic. Oh, yes. God. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's right next door, I, I swear, it's not an exaggeration. I've had people stop to take a picture of my sign with the animal clinic in the background as a joke. <laughs> and, and I've had, you know, I, I probably get, I probably get two or three people ask, you know, um, it, it, it Oh, fluffy die. And most of the time, I mean, I, I try to listen to the story because I know how attached people get to their animals. And I try to listen. And I try to be compassionate, but there's no way I'm going to mount. Yeah. No yeah. I try to be compassionate. And I try to be, hey, let's listen. So finally, what I got smart is I have an outfit in Southern Colorado that that's what they specialize in. No way. Yeah. I have them. I have their cards sitting out so that I can say no, but you know, I love to hear him. I love to hear him about fluffy and I bet he was amazing, but these are the people you need to call, you know, and at least I give them all that, but no, this is crazy. Cause I could, I've skinned coyotes, wolves, you name it. Has anyone asked you to skin their dog? Everything in the canine family. Everything in the canine family. And I could not, I could not even think about skinning somebody's household pet. Oh, hey, you know, a German Shepherd. I, I swear, I I don't know. I mean, that, that to me, there's a line there, and I just... That's tough. Yeah. That's like skin, yeah, that's you, almost skin of a human. <laughs> you know, it is. And, and I'll be honest with you, with that, with something as uh, as personable and as, as close to the heart as somebody's family pet, I don't care. You'll never achieve the look that Fluffy had on her face when she would lay on the pillow. It's just gonna. You're setting yourself up for like some. You're some, setting yourself up for uh, really. I mean, he never looked like that when he was alive. You know. So you didn't yeah, get I, this I, right. I, Fluffy yeah, looks no. horrible. Yep. So I, I I send that I send that place in Colorado. You know, I assume a lot of work. I know they call them. They may be so expensive. I don't know. I don't. I've never gone into that stuff. But well, they they need to be really far away. So when they send the animal back. Um, they're just so far away; they don't take the complaint phone calls. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm yes. trying to think of that. I'm trying to think of that movie that was on. 
where they they had a poodle on coasters, and I can't think of the name of the movie. But every time somebody every time somebody asks me something about a pet, I just can't help but think I'm walking their poodle on coasters on his bottom, little rollers on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like Weekend at Bernie's or something. Yeah. It was something, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that'd be. That'd be there's just no way. I'm no. Gr- good move for not doing household pets. Yep. Yeah. So, like, a fish, I see a fish, right? It's actually mm-hmm. not the fish, right? Well, see, and that's funny. So, that's when I started doing taxidermy, I learned all facets of it, and fish was one of them. Um, so, I did fish at the time. In fact, I've got a couple of fish of mine that I've done. Um, See, I don't, so I don't do fish anymore because the only fish that I do are the real ones, the real skin mounts. Um, oh, so you can but, actually skin a fish and mount it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you, so next time you're down this way in my bathroom, I have a, about a six pound bass that I, that I mounted. It's on that little wall there and it's a real skin. And, um, but so replicas got so popular and, um, I don't know. I'm, I've always been kind of a traditionalist as far as it's not the real thing. It's almost like, it's almost like, um, putting, you know, fake antlers on them now. I don't know. I've just always been, if that's not yours, um, you know, if it's not the real thing type of thing. So I leave the paint and replicas to other people and I am, you know, I, I'm perfectly good with that. Did so, you, they, they paint. so you didn't do Greg's replicas. No, no. He had some guy in, uh, some guy in like St. George or something mm. that, uh, that did the replicas for the, for his, for that big meal that he got. I just mounted it, but he did the replicas for him. Right on. So, yeah. Yeah. But. He, he, Krogue magic, like gets drawn, yeah. like he's had the strip twice. Who? Greg Krogue. I must know someone. Yeah, like I don't I don't know anybody that's got drawn for the strip twice, do you? Besides Greg? Um no. <laughs> not, and you know, you know a lot what? of hunters. I was gonna say not in this back in the day when the strip wasn't like the coveted tag. I mean, it used it's to always, be the Kaibab, right? Kaibab used to be yeah. the thing and the strip yeah. wasn't as big. Yeah, yeah. I mean back in the back, you know, before the strip got to be the strip, I knew a couple of guys that drew it like four or five years back to back. I mean, that was, that was, that was a long time ago. I mean, that was, you know, a long time ago. Now, I mean, yeah, I mean, what is it? 15 points to draw the strip or something? Yes. Minimum? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, think about it. 15 years. That is a long time to wait to draw a deer tag, you know? Well, I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm like, yeah, because I didn't get drawn at first. So then I kind of went, I just want to have a strip tag one time. Yeah. I just want one hunt and I, I'm okay actually with an archery tag an archery yeah. or so I do archery rifle first choice, second choice archery. I don't yeah. care either, either or is fine. And um, I just want to do it once. And then I'm yeah. putting the wife in for a rifle. And um, it's just one-on-one time. Just once. Yeah. 
and then, yeah. then I'll feel like I, I, uh, I've lived. Well, I, yeah, I got to start over this year. Oh yeah, next uh, year. Yeah, Cody got drawn for Coos Deer Tag this year, so. You know what? So did I. Oh, you did. What unit? I drew thirty-five A. Oh, you you're going down south, buddy. Yeah, I, so, I've wanted that before. The watch well, the Wachukas, right? Yep. Yeah. So I drew thirty-five A and thirty-five B. It's a muzzleloader hunt. Oh, is that yeah. any deer hunt? Deer, any deer, yeah. Oh, dude, there's some good mule deer down there, buddy. There are. Really? That's yeah. where Taryn, my wife, shot her mule deer when she was in high school. Oh, nice. When, when we were dating. Yeah. She, uh, that's where she killed her. Her. It was her biggest buck until last year. She killed that big buck. Yeah. So um, there's some good bucks down there. I don't know how good it is of late, but, you know. Yeah, well, you know what? So this is the crazy story. So I put in for that unit because I had a cowboy friend of mine that um, uh, lived down there. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, man, you, you'll have this. You'll have a place to stay. You know, just, Well, so I put in, draw the tag, call him. Hey, man, I did it. You know, got the tag. I'm all excited. Yeah, the problem is uh, since the border is wide open, and the illegals are just walking across. We moved all of our we moved all of our cattle, so he's all the way up into Unit Nine now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it's like, oh my god! Well, there was I had an ace in the hole. Now, um, does he sell the ranch, or they you know, dump it? They have a ranch. They have they lease two ranches. One of them is down there, and I guess it was getting so bad. Um, you know, while he's out cowboying, the the wife was afraid to stay at home, and she homeschools. Like they got three children, and he's like, "I'm not living this way." You know, yeah. they'd get they'd get people walking up the driveway, and they'd get people like he said. He said, "I'm getting tired of mending fences." You know, um, yeah. thirty of them are coming through, so rather than climbing the fence, they'll just cut it. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now. Um, which is fine. I mean, I, I love going down there scouting and stuff anyway, so I'll go down there and poke around and, you know, I'm well, sure I'll find something. Yeah, I might have to convince the wife to let me go with you. Yeah. That's Cody shake his head. Good luck. Taryn, yeah, you no. know, Taryn, <laughs> Troy helped you kill Big Bull, so, you know, kind of need to repay the favor here. He owes yeah, feels me. Yeah, honestly, they're again that hunt. I mean, it's not the way we wanted. But I'm telling you, what a what a great time I had um, hunting with her on that yeah. on that. On uh, hunt too. You know what is a bummer is you weren't allowed to. You were so busy you couldn't go on the her hunt where she killed her big bull. I know. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved to have been there. Yeah, she's a trooper too. Yeah. Well, um, Troy, it's, it's, I told you, Troy was, uh, really nervous about, you know, how are we going to tell him for this time. long? And I'm like, you don't have to worry about that. Everybody's nervous about that. It's not, you don't, you let me worry about that. You just answer the questions. <laughs> Every, so, everybody gets to an hour and a half, two yeah. hours really fast. Yeah. So we're already at an hour and a half, buddy. You did it. 
you know, and I was th- honestly, I swear, I was thinking, and then I catch myself talking, telling more stories, and I'm like, all right, hey, put a cap on this. You know, I'm like, yeah. worried about, you know, I, I don't know, what, I don't know how to say this, but I'm really not that interesting. You know what I mean? So I was like, what? The I gotta do here. No, but, it's, it's great, man. It's it's uh, it's what it's all about. You just get on and talk a little bit. Yeah, it's like I said, like our podcast is about hunting, business, sports. So you check two of the boxes, you know. And yeah. uh, I think your story is a great one. It's a uh, one about you know going for it, and you know you you had a decision to make. You know, like either go full time the other route or go and do your dream. You you bet on yourself, so I'm really I'm really proud to hear that story and proud to be your friend and um and see how successful you are. Yeah, well, likewise, man. I mean, I, I uh, you know you can you can you can go through life and you know you're fortunate to find a handful of people that you go, you know what? I've really I have a lot of respect for that person, or I love the fact that he's always he's always been honest. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, I feel the same. Yeah, well, this will be one of hopefully a couple more. We're definitely want to have you back on the show again. Yeah, hopefully I have a uh, my son's first year to bring to you this year. So oh yeah, that'd be cool. To it, yeah. Then no yeah. pressure, and then he could uh, tell him to do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Regardless, I'm looking, him pick. looking forward to getting to meet you anyway. So either way, for sure. Yeah, well, Troy, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you later, buddy. Hey, man, thank you guys, both of you guys. Thank you guys so all much. Right, all, right. all right, Troy, take care, bud. All right, we'll, we'll see you, man. All right, bye. Well, everybody, that was Troy Smith. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, it was a good time. You want to put the uh, authentic taxidermy. A so it's authentic taxidermy in Chino, az dot com. Authentic taxidermy az dot com is his uh, his website, and he's got an Instagram page too. Same thing. Authentic taxidermy. Yeah, it's um, if you need a good, honest person, he is your man. Um, he's always been great to me. He's done a lot of work for me, and I would choose nobody else. So, um. I've loved all his work, and I've done a couple where I I said, do your thing, and it's uh, been really cool. So, um, really cool story. I knew he struggled during the recession. I'm a little bummed I I didn't ask. I didn't get – we got sucked down some rabbit holes. Ran out of time a little bit. Next time time we'll talk about how the recession – really hit him because I know it hit him pretty good and it hit him where people just didn't pick up their animals. <laughs> so he had all these done mounts. Oh, really? And just people wouldn't pick them up because they didn't have money to pick them up. Jeez. So he's like, what do I do with all these mounts? You know, uh-huh. I have all these mounts and no one to pick them up. So it was a little bit different for him, how the recession hit him, but he was able to survive and, I mean, thriving now, so. it's good. Yeah, he's always, I think he brought on a couple people to help him out. Really? He's got one guy I met. He's a really cool guy. Um, but, yeah. So Sweet. Thank you all. Um, authentic text. Don't we check him out? Um, 
And thanks for listening. Hope we got we got some more people on the hook that are going to be coming on. So we've got plenty of guests, fun guests. Yes, sir. So, all right. Good talk. Good to talk to you. Good to catch up with him for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.